When I've been speaking um, each month, it's been in the Gospel of John, and we've been in uh, the first chapter of John, and I'll reiterate, uh, John wrote this book for a reason, that people might know who Jesus is, and they might believe in him as their Savior. They might put their trust in him and be filled with the Spirit of God. They might have eternal life. He talked about how Jesus came according to all of the prophecies, the Old Testament prophecies and foreshadowings. He fulfilled them all. Uh, He said he came to die for the sins of the world, for your sins and mine. God taking on flesh, dwelling among us, doing signs and miracles, authenticating who he was, people testifying of him. He dies for the sins of the world. He rises from the dead, conquers sin, conquers death, seen by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of eyewitnesses afterwards, and then ascends to heaven and tells his disciples, hey, go into all the world, make disciples, uh, tell them about me, preach the gospel, and teach them all my ways, teach the kingdom of God. And so here we are today, among with billions of people over the last 2,000 years who have found hope and forgiveness through Jesus Christ and life through Jesus Christ. So John said he is the light of the world. By him, you see God. By him, you understand reality as it is. Make sense of your life. Why am I here? How did I get here? What's my mission? What's morality? What's right and wrong? What's my destiny? Through Jesus Christ, that picture is clearer than in any other or through any other worldview, and it's incomparable. So uh, we picked up uh, last, <clears throat> last week, we talked about John the Baptist. Say, John the Baptist. He came, he was being interrogated by the religious leaders of the day and say, who are you? And he said, well, I'm not the Messiah. And they're like, we thought you were going to claim that. And they said, well, then are you Elijah? Because we, you know, it's prophesied that Elijah is going to come back before the Messiah or he's going to come and prepare. And he said, no, I'm not Elijah. Came in the spirit of Elijah, but wasn't literally Elijah. Said, well, are you the prophet that Moses spoke about? He said, nope, I'm not the prophet. Well, then who are you? Goes according to Isaiah. Goes, I'm the one that Isaiah talked about. I'm the one in the wilderness, calling out, "Prepare ye the way of the Lord." I'm coming to prepare the way because heaven is coming. He says, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." And he said, "Watch out, because the person that's coming after me, the person that I'm introducing, I'm not even worthy to unlace his dirty sandal. I can't even take off his shoes for him and put him. I'm not worthy for that." And so. Jesus comes to John the Baptist. John the Baptist, this is in Matthew's gospel. John baptizes Jesus. Jesus says, baptize me. He baptizes him. Voice comes from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so uh, the spirit of God descends on him like a dove. John the Baptist sees this as confirmation for him that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the prophets. This is the Messiah. This guy right here that I've just baptized, who I'm related to distantly. This is, this is the this is the Messiah, the Savior. And so that happens. Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days, 40 nights. And it's during that time that these Pharisees that I just talked about, they came and they asked John these questions. So who are you? Are you the Messiah? No, I'm not the Messiah. You Elijah? No. Prophet? No. The one coming after me, John had already met him, had already baptized him. That's where we're picking up today. And Jesus comes back from being tempted in the wilderness and overcoming all, all temptations. That's another message for another day. John 1, verse 35 through 36. 
The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples as Jesus walked by. Hey, Jesus is back. John looked at him and declared, look, the Lamb of God. Pointed it out. Number one in your notes, using my influence. Using my influence. So John, man, he had people flocking, the scriptures say, coming from everywhere to see him. And so from all of Jerusalem, but even as far up as Galilee, which is 70 miles north, they're flocking from all of Judea to see and hear this guy out in the wilderness, this guy wearing camel skin, kind of a rough character. He, he's from the Levitical line. His dad was, um, was, a, um, was a Levite and performed temple services. And yet John isn't in Jerusalem by the temple or in any other, he's out in the wilderness declaring repent for the kingdom of God is at hand and people everywhere are flocking out there. He has quite an influence. And there's a few people that are very devoted to him. They're not just kind of swinging by to, to catch a listen, but, but they're, they're looking to pattern their lives after him and to, and to obey him, to learn from him, and to carry out whatever John, John, you tell me to do something, I'll do it. They were disciples. They were committed, loyal followers. Here's two of them right here. It says, the following day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. He had more than that, but he was standing with two. Jesus walks by and he points and says, look, there is the Lamb of God. You know what? Each of us have an influence. And with that influence, we can point people to Jesus Christ. That's right. And that's what we should do. Yeah. And, uh, and some of us say, I don't have thousands of people following me. No, I don't either. But there's a couple people that probably care about what I say. There's a couple people that look up to me. There's a few people in my circle where I'm located and, and people I know that put some weight on what I do and what I say. And it's to those people that I want to point and say, I'm glad, I'm glad you're following me. I'm glad you look up to me a little bit. I'm glad I have an influence in my life. But friends, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. You need to meet Jesus Christ. You need to follow him. Follow Jesus. And that's this next passage, John 1, 37 through 39. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and he saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Was that a deflecting question? Or was that really answering the question? Where are you, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. Number two, knowing God is a process. Knowing God is a process. Salvation is in a nanosecond. You recognize you're a sinner, you put your faith in Jesus, you respond to God, say, God, it's only by your mercy and grace, Lord. I, I give my life to you, Lord. I commit my life to you, Lord. I receive your... That happens in a nanosecond. I mean, even before you can say it, your heart determines that or believes that. And God says that he saves that person right then and there. But knowing God, knowing, truly knowing, it's a lifelong endeavor. And um, 
These people, they follow Jesus, these two disciples. One is Andrew. We're going to learn that in the scripture here. The other one, most Bible scholars think it's John, the author of this book. John and Andrew. Pastor Bob was talking yesterday about following Jesus close enough that the dust of his feet or the dust that he kicks up gets on our faces. The idea of not following at a distance. They, okay, I believe in Jesus. Yes, yeah, it seems right. He's the Savior. Yeah, he fulfilled all the scriptures and, and forgives sin. I believe that. But how close can we follow? Not how far can we stray and still remain a Christian, but how close can we get to him? How well can we know him? Um, Jacob Marks and uh, Lydia Sally got married yesterday. And they're probably not here today. They're probably on their honeymoon. We can clap for them. I do. I do. And now, the rest of their life, they're getting to know each other better and better is the idea. And they could never talk and stay far away, but they're heading to Nashville on on a honeymoon right now. And as they get back, and over the next 20, 30, 40 years, if... The world still exists. <laughs> they have a chance to go deeper in intimacy and in understanding and knowing of one another. And the same is true of you and I in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Right. There is great depth to be had in our relationship with God. Great understanding to behold. Great power that will fill us in our relationship with Jesus Christ. The more teachable we are, The closer we follow, the quicker we mature spiritually. The more full of peace and joy we are, the closer we follow. Following Jesus close enough that the dust gets on us. And you know what? Um, Just a tangent on that. Pastor Bob, Pastor Donald, uh, myself... God's put such a passion in us and in many people in the church for there to be a class at Life Church where people can learn the simple truths about following Jesus. And so beginning September 10th, we're going to have a, a class called the Believer's Class. And it's 25 minutes long. It's not a long class. And it's right before church. It's going to be in the cafe at 925 and people are going to come in. There's coffee. There's a study guide that's free. And there's childcare that's free. Because we want people to go through this class. So this is it. Um, there will be about a 10-minute, what, what will that class look like? About a 10-minute video. And then there's a one-pager each week. There's a one-pager on a topic with a short paragraph and a couple questions. And it'll just be open. If people have questions or discuss or want to give a comment, that's awesome. But that's this class. It's going to run through the fall, 15 weeks in the fall. There's a spring semester as well. And we just encourage people to uh, commit to that. If you're new, if you're curious about Christianity or, or you've been a Christian for a long time, but you just want to come back to the basics, yeah. um, simple truths about following Jesus. Mm-hmm. Encourage you to attend that. Yeah. All right, John 1, verse 40 through 41, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said, and then he followed Jesus. 
Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. I don't know if you remember, they've started following Jesus at four o'clock in the afternoon. So they probably had dinner and then they went home and he was fully convinced this is the Messiah. And he ran and got Peter. He said, Simon, this is it. Man, all our life we've been longing, we've been waiting. Who's the Messiah? Is he coming during our lifetime? Because it looks like the timetables indicated that he would, according to scripture, Daniel. And so it didn't take very long. He, was, he followed Jesus. Some of the dust got on him. He experienced Jesus. He saw and heard him. I don't know what, the Bible doesn't tell us what Jesus told them as they ate dinner, as they were with Jesus, where Jesus was staying for a few short hours before they left. We're not told, but whatever he said, whatever he conveyed, it touched their spirit in a powerful way. That's what Jesus does to people. Some people think Jesus was a historical character who lived 2,000 years ago, and they're half right. Guys, we are body, mind, and spirit. In today's culture, they try to eliminate that one. Your body and mind, that's all you are, at least in Western culture. Although New Age is making a, is making a comeback. New Age, Hinduism, New Age movement is making a huge inroads throughout our culture. But we are body, mind, and spirit. And guys, Jesus lived 2,000 years ago, but you can today have a relationship with him that is real. That's right. And he can speak to your spirit. And he can give you, I'm going to get ahead of myself. I'll stop right there. Jesus is in the room today. You might have experienced him even during a worship, and even as I'm talking right now. He's he's speaking right now to your spirit. And he's using a clown like me. Right? I love it. So, Andrew, he follows Jesus. He experiences Jesus. And then what's, what's inevitable? What is natural? What is the byproduct of that? He runs to his brother. Three, he shares the wealth. That Peter found him. Peter found what? Found the Messiah. Man, our church is grateful. There's a guy that every time the frolic parade comes around, which was a month or two ago, we're like, oh, man, we need a trailer. And we think, well, there's this farmer that lives out by Tyrell Basin somewhere, and he has like 18 trailers. And he always says, yeah, you can take one, go for it. I'm so glad he shares the wealth. Because yeah. none of, I don't have, no one I know has a trailer the size that we need for, for that parade. If you have a friend or someone knows of a high-yield savings account, it's kind of nice when they say, hey, you should check out this one. It's making like 2% more than anything else. If you have an infinite supply of popsicles, it's nice to pass them around. If you have 12 waffles on your plate, some people have seen that video. So the spiritual truths, the practical truths, it's natural to help your friends. And so Andrew ran to share. Don't keep living water to yourself. Pass it out. The well won't go dry. 
You don't just keep Jesus to yourself. There's plenty of Jesus for everyone. John 1, 42, looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Simon, actually the, the meaning of the word Simon is listen or hearing. There's another definition, it means flat-nosed. <laughs> so I don't know if his parents, when they named him, if they were like, wow, that, that boy looks... Interesting. Let's call him Simon. More so, it was, it was listen or hearing. Simon was a popular name in Jewish culture. A lot, of, a lot of boys are named Simon. But Peter and Cephas, they both mean stone, rock. In the Gospels, we see Peter being emotional and sporadic, maybe having big claims or gestures, but not quite so trustworthy or stable or um, faithful in action. But Jesus said, you will be called, there will become a time when you will be called Cephas, Peter. And indeed, after the resurrection, Peter became loyal and brave, trustworthy, even under interrogation and when faced with death, he spoke the gospel, he lived for Christ and was indeed a rock. Number four, Jesus will redefine me. Jesus will redefine you. Oh, it seems weird to like talk to someone you can't see or to kind of, it seems uh, maybe to your intellect or to your eyeballs, not to your spirit. It's not weird. It's not weird to talk to God. All that we see was made of that which is not seen. The physical world is, is secondary. That's, that's kind of, it was produced by the unseen world, God. Another dimension, another realm. He spoke into being that which is. So we have flesh, it's kind of fun sometimes. We have a mind, but spirit. Jesus will redefine me. He will wake up your spirit. He will give you new life, and he will redefine you, give you a brand new identity, brand new passions, brand new thoughts, brand new strength, a peace that cannot be explained. Jesus will make you into a different person. He'll change your identity. He'll give you the want to for things that you never wanted before. He'll give you a dislike for things you used to crave but were unhealthy for you. He'll give you a morality that you didn't embrace before. John 1, verse 43 through 49, the next day, so this was after that encounter, after dinner, Andrew went and grabbed Peter, and Jesus said, Peter, you're going to be called Cephas. The very next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip, and he said to him, come, follow me. Philip was from Bethesda, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Peter replied. As they approached, Jesus said, 
Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know, how do you know about me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. So the next day, it says Jesus decided to go to Galilee. It doesn't say he arrived in Galilee, but it says that he decided to go to Galilee. And here's Galilee. Oh, actually, stay right there. That's Bethany. This is where, um, so that is where, this is the Dead Sea. Jerusalem is just over here. And um, right up in here. And uh, that's where John the Baptist was baptizing people in the Jordan River. That's the Jordan River. And if you travel up the Jordan River far enough, next map, you get to the Sea of Galilee. Right there, here you can see there's the Dead Sea. Jerusalem about here. Baptism's happening here, and you travel up. There's the Sea of Galilee, and Bethesda is right above. There's Bethesda. Bethsaida. I'm saying the wrong. Bethsaida is how you say that. All right, so that's where um, Philip was from. Andrew was from there. Philip was there. Dude, there's a lot of guys from there. Actually, it's the Bethesda, Bethesda boys. So it's kind of an old picture. It's a little bit pixelated, but. So we found the very person. Philip, he went to look for Nathaniel. And, um, and this is where all these guys lived. So Jesus, Jesus was from Nazareth. Nazareth, can we go back to that map? Uh, other one, next one. So... There's Bethsaida, Nazareth would have been right there. So he's close there too, right? And here's Cana. In a little bit, you're going to learn Nathaniel was from Cana. There's Cana. So in this little area here, it's not a huge area. A lot of these guys, this is where most of the disciples were found. Um, This is an interesting region because this was in prophecy as well. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, talked exactly about this. It says, nevertheless, so this was written 700 years, 730, 750 years before Christ was born. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Judah and Israel are both in captivity for a good time. It will not go on forever. The land of Zebulon and Naphtali, these are two of the tribes of Israel. There's Zebulon, Naphtali, right up here, Sea of Galilee area. Will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, Dead Sea, will be filled with glory. Whoa! That's awesome. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light, the light of the world. They'll see Jesus. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. If I jump a few verses, this will be familiar to some of you who read read Isaiah. You get down to verse 6. I don't have this on the screen. It says, for unto us a child is born. 
Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Isn't that incredible? Just incredible. The specificity of that. So Jesus decides to go up to Galilee along the way. uh, Meets Philip. Man, this is... This is wash, rinse, repeat. This is, uh, I mean, this just happened with Andrew. Andrew followed a little bit, got some dust on him. He experienced Jesus. He ran and shared with Peter. And now Philip, he found Philip, Jesus, found Philip, said, come follow me. Peter was, Philip was from Bethsaida. So whatever interactions Philip had there, he was quickly convinced because he ran and got Nathaniel, someone that he had some influence with. Someone he had influence with. He said, come, Nathaniel, from Cana. I found the Messiah. So, uh, and Nathaniel, he's a bit of a, a little skeptical, maybe, or he's, I don't know for what reason. Can anything good come from Nazareth? I mean, there was, there was a Roman garrison there, so that wasn't a real popular town for the Judeans, the, the Jews. Um, Cana was like really close to Nazareth. If we remember, we saw on the map, it was pretty close. Maybe they're kind of rival towns. And so like Duke, Duke and North Carolina, they don't like each other. They're really close together. I, I don't know. But anyway, he says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Um, and what was Philip's reply? There was a little pushback. Philip said, ah, oh, I found a guy. His name's Jesus. He's the Messiah, Savior of the world. He's here. And Nathaniel's like, yeah, first off, nothing good can come from Nazareth. So it's a pushback. And Philip's answer, he didn't really argue with him. He just said, come and see. Come and see for yourself. Maybe I'm not going to talk to you. Now. Come and see. Come experience. Come follow. Just follow. I'm not telling you you have to believe me. Just follow him a little bit and see what you think. Just get to know Jesus a little bit. Jesus can talk for himself. Jesus can impact people and engage people all by himself. Just get people there. Point people to Jesus. And so he comes, and it looks like even before Nathaniel can say anything, Jesus gets him. Jesus says, you're a guy in who there's no deceit. You're a person of complete integrity. The Holy Spirit had revealed to Jesus this about Nathaniel. Yeah. Evidently, evidently, <clears throat> Jesus was supposed to know this, and the Holy Spirit gave this ability to Jesus. Jesus said, you're, you're a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. And it caught Nathaniel completely off guard because people don't know people's character. Not without a track record, not without knowing him for a while. And Jesus was so specific about, he knew something about Nathaniel. I don't know 
We're not told much about Nathaniel, but we learn right here that he was someone that had honesty. He was living, he had an honest heart, and he lived with integrity. Was he sinless? It doesn't say he was sinless, but he said he had integrity. So if he did wrong, he probably confessed it or was upfront about it, honest about his failures and so forth. And upon that statement that was so impactful to Nathaniel, Nathaniel says, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus knows more about you than you know about yourself. He knows the number of hairs on your head, and you don't know that. Well, I use that example all the time. Yeah, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. So we see a pattern here, just in this first chapter, chapter over, follow, experience, share. So in the shampoo world, it's wash, rinse, repeat. In the real estate world, it's the Burr method, number five. The Burr method. A little insight. Real estate, a lot of real estate investors, that's what they do. They find a distressed property, they buy it. And then, these are all R's, right? So there's the B, buy. And then they renovate it. They spend time sweat equity or getting someone or helping renovate the place. And then they rent it out. And then they refinance, right? Because now there's some equity in that property. And they use that to buy another distressed property. Repeat. It's the Burr method. Burr method. Jesus said to his disciples after he died, rose from the dead, and just before he ascended into heaven, he says, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. He says, my spirit is with you. I can communicate. I'm leaving here. My spirit will be right there communicating with you, leading you into righteousness, testifying of truth, convicting of sin, encouraging you, transforming you. I'll be making you like me the whole time. But this is your job, this is our job, my job, is we follow close, we experience Jesus, and we share whatever we're learning. I learn something new, God challenges me in a new way, he encourages me in a new way, he refines me in a way, he convicts me in a different way. As I learn these things, I teach my kids. I I encourage a friend in the same way Jesus encouraged me. I maybe stand up for something morally that I wouldn't have stood up for before, but I do it, and even in a public way, and some people see that. And so, follow, experience, share. It's what I see happening in these passages. Finally, we get to John 1, verse 50 through 51, and Nathaniel just said, Whoa, man, you're the son of God. You must be the son of God. Your God coming in a human form, a male human son, son of God, son, not a daughter, not a dog, but you came as a son. You're the son of God. You're the prophesied Messiah. You're the son of God. And Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you that I had seen you under a fig tree? You'll see greater things than this. And then he said, I tell you the truth, you'll see all of heaven open and angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Whoa. 
Number six, I ain't seen nothing yet. I ain't seen nothing yet. Jesus says, I am the bridge to heaven. I am the portal to a different dimension. I'm the door to the kingdom of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life to all who will believe. And so Jesus came to be a savior, and he came to be a friend, and he came to be the king. And he's holy. And he came once as the Lamb of God. He's coming again as the Lion of Judah. What do we say? Something in the spring, like a spring comes in like a lamb, or out like a lion, or out in like a lion, out like a lamb, so it's sheep. I wonder if that term comes from this or not. I don't know. But Jesus came as a lamb. And the second time, so the first time he came, it was to invite everyone into the kingdom of God and to give grace and mercy to all of us who need it, which is everybody. We all need grace and mercy. He said, I have grace and mercy. And to those who receive it, he adopted as his own. So he's coming again to judge the living and the dead. And that's not a time of grace and mercy. That's a time of justice. The good God will have justice. He will not allow evil and wickedness to continue forever. It'll be tossed into the lake of fire. And he's got the power and the ability to do it. The word of his mouth. Command of his mouth. So this morning, what is God's spirit saying to you? I can get done preaching and I can get in my car and whether I felt like I did a good job preaching or not, I can say, God, thanks for being with me. Thank you, Jesus. I can wake up in the morning and I can spend time with God and Jesus. When I'm sick, Jesus is with me. When I'm doing great, Jesus is with me. When I have a lot of questions about parenting and I can't seem to get it right or I can't figure it out, Jesus is with me. When I have all the answers, and I really don't, (laughs) Jesus is with me. When I make a foolish decision, take too much risk, do something wasn't quite right. Jesus is with me. He's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. King of kings, Lord of lords. He has a job for me to do, and I'm obligated to do it. I need to do it. I need to obey the Lord with what he's called me to do. And you need to obey God with what he's called you to do. He has a calling on each person's life and a circle of influence that each person has. Things for you to do and not do. And he's your king. 
oftentimes he just blesses us because he's good and he's gracious. I do something wrong or I don't deserve it or I just didn't do a good job at something and then God just blesses me anyway. Why does he do that? Because he's good. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. No. So grateful for that. There's a verse I read this week. Probably not mis- um, get the reference wrong. I think it's in Psalm 27. But it said that he's my shield and my strength. My heart trusts in him. He's my helper. And he gives me joy. Sing praise. Yeah, sing praise. That was the last part. I will sing praise. Yep. If um, you have never placed your faith in Jesus, if you've never responded to the Spirit of God himself, the one who came on planet Earth in flesh and blood, died for your sins, ascended into heaven, and is still working. God is working. I encourage you to take a step of faith across the line. Say, God, I'm a sinner. I need your help. I need your forgiveness. I want the new life that you have for me. I want another operating system. I want want to hear you. I want to live for you the rest of my life then do that. It's just, a, it's just a matter of faith. It's a decision of the heart. It's a surrender of the will. Say, God, your way, not my way. Your grace and mercy, not my earnings, my merit. And then we have two books. I meant to bring one up with me. One says, Why Jesus? Just a great little book that describes the good news of Jesus. Take one of those, a little pamphlet. There's another one that talks about God's purpose for your life. Grab one of those and, um, and plug in maybe the new believers class. For the rest of us that have a relationship with Jesus, let's um, encourage one another to follow closer, to get the dust of Jesus on us, to experience Jesus. And in doing that, we'll be fully um, motivated to share. We won't be able to help it. It'll just happen. You stand with me. <clears throat> Father God, I thank you for this morning. Hallelujah. You are great and mighty and worthy to be praised. All the angels bow down. All the saints throw their, cast their crowns before you because you're the King of kings and Lord of lords. From you, through you, to you, belongs the glory, the worship, forever and ever and ever. We bless your name. Thank you for the community that, of Christians that you're building, of Christ followers that you're building, Lord, and you're nurturing us, Lord, day by day. You're making us different. You're making us look more like you. We are your people. We're the sheep of your pasture, and you're the good shepherd. And you're leading us into victory, Lord. Thank you for this church, Lord, all these brothers and sisters in this room our lives to you again this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.